Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 15 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. So this week, we're kind of doing a bit of a switcher, Angelo, right? So usually you're known as the tech guy and I'm the paranormal guy, but it seems as though I will be taking on the tech portion of the show and he'll be taking on the paranormal portion of the show. Are you comfortable with this? Sort of. I, I think when it comes to explaining the cases, you always do better. So I think I'll leave that part to you. But I have a lot to say about the uh, our paranormal part. And you brought a lot of stories to the tech part this week. I brought a few too, though, but it was a lot of you. Well, there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of me, but there's also like, we'll get into this, but there's a lot involving you IRL, like in real life, which we'll talk about soon. Yeah, one is funny and one is real. Right. Well, let's begin with something that is um, both funny, real, sad, etc., which is um, this uh, tradition, or rather this uh, this current uh, um, uh, fascination in tech with um, holograms replacing uh, musical figures, right? So it started with Tupac at Coachella, and now uh, Ronnie James Dio, singer of both uh, Rainbow, Black Sabbath, as well as the Dio Band, uh, is launching a 100-day tour next year of uh, Dio's hits. Uh, And so there's going to be a live backing band and a hologram of Ronnie James Dio will be singing along to um, like isolated vocal tracks uh, that are out there. So I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of weird. I don't know. Would you pay money to go see a hologram? Well, when I was a kid, holograms were the next big thing. Uh, It was the future of everything. And uh, one of the coolest things, it was a terrible game, but there was that time traveler game by Sega. I don't know if you ever saw it in the arcade and it was... It was a, a weird view onto the game, and it was a hologram in the middle. I'll have to find the link to it. I think it's called Time Traveler. It was uh, it was a cowboy, and he would. It was in the same vein as uh, what's the game that's escaping my my broken brain lately uh, with uh, Dirk the the Dirk the Daring. What's the game? Dragons with Lair. the cartoons. Dragons Lair. Exactly. It was that type of game where. You had to press to the side or press a button in time and or else you would die. And it was all about the holograms and everybody thought, wow, this is amazing. This is where games are going to go. But now it seems like music has taken uh, the, the, the baton of the hologram. What do you think? I think it's very interesting. I don't know if I'd go see it. If tickets were handed to me for free, obviously I'd say yes. But I don't know if I'm willing to pay money to go see... Um, uh, a hologram playing, uh, you know, uh, backing tracks or isolated vocal tracks from studio takes and outtakes. I don't know if I feel comfortable uh, doing that. Were it pre- to be presented as like a concert film, maybe, but to have that live element, I think, kind of detracts from from it. Unfortunately, and I know that like this clearly, uh, at the end of the day, is a money making venture. Given the fact that I mean, uh, tra- traveling with a hologram isn't cheap, right? So I figure there's probably uh, a fair amount of that involved in there. But no, I, I feel like it's a little inauthentic, like a little too inauthentic for me to to want to spend money on on this do you think the hologram will have a rider uh, <laughs> no brown yeah. m&ms you know what that is a great question i um i'm gonna go ahead and tweet this out into the ether and we'll see maybe we'll get a response for next episode that's a great idea speaking of all things online though um you and i were both talking about uh the sophisticated way in which scammers get to you yeah well this started with an article in the verge talking about um a Gimlet uh, podcast called Reply All. And I listened to both episodes of that uh, the episode last week, and then there's one that came out this morning, just in time for our show. And it was an interesting story of how 
someone received one of those phone scams where a company calls you telling you have a virus. So he obviously kind of played along with them, but he just didn't give up and kept calling them back. And eventually it led him to the uh, actual boss. And I don't want to spoil it too much, but suffice to say, I'd highly encourage you to go listen to that Reply All uh, episode. That's a, it's a two-parter. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to it, Brian? As you know, I listened to like three podcasts, so no, Angelo. Okay, so you didn't. But you read the story and you kind of saw what it was. But uh, as it so happens, it was kind of perfect timing that we decided to talk about this because today I got a text message from my wife uh, saying that she got an interesting message uh, on the phone that uh, it was more because it called during nap time and it was waking up the family. Because my family, I'm not sure if you know, we're cats. We nap in the afternoon. And uh, she got a phone call. Her text message was kind of funny. And uh, I sent you a MP3 of the call. So why don't you go ahead and play that right now? Because I'd like to hear your reaction. Hello. This call is from the tax department of Canada Revenue Agency. Seems legit. The reason behind this call is that there is a case, a lawsuit, that is getting filed under your name. The moment you receive this message... I need you to get back to me on my department division number. That is 613-699-9304. I repeat, 613-699-9304. This robot voice is so solid. Now, if I don't hear a call from you, we will have to issue an arrest warrant (laughs) under your name and get you arrested. So get back to me as soon as possible. Thank you. Is that not the best thing ever? <laughs> so, uh, I have so, so get back to, to me. Okay, so firstly, uh, congrats on being a, a fugitive. Let's start with that. Like, yeah. Angelo, congrats. Like, so, I am so happy about this. Uh, we've able to, we know that we have listeners from around the world. So, this is how the Canadian Revenue, Revenue Agency works. They get a call center to call you and leave you a weird message on your phone. And uh, uh, so, in case you haven't figured it out, it's obviously a scam. I pay my taxes on time because I'm a good boy. You're also, um, one of the other things that you have to realize too, is that you are living the plot of the movie, the net pretty much. Seriously, because last week Siri had some choice words for me. Right. Well, we'll get into that in a second. But, um, uh, just, so I like the idea that, uh, the Canadian Revenue Agency just doesn't have humans. It just has, um, uh, type to text robots doing their clerical work. Like they don't actually have people in their offices. They're saving money. Right, so there's going to be a lawsuit in your name. Are you prepared to hire a robot lawyer? Uh, yeah, well, so with all this AI stuff, I'm gonna I'm looking kind of between uh, choosing between the Google AI. Uh, Bixby seems cool. That's a good lawyer name. Uh, so I don't know what we're, we're going to do about this, but uh, I'll have to investigate further. Maybe <laughs> see if the people at Gimlet will want to look into this one. <laughs> I, I I just wonder who falls for this and i kind of feel bad for them because if you fall for this you normally don't have enough money to pay for this is that mean of me to say no i don't think it's mean of you to say i just i also think that um uh, the the lack of like a real person voice i think is a great indicator of whether or not you're going to fall for this right and i think that like if you think it's a real person then clearly you might fall for it because people click on spam links and actually order stuff from spam but uh yeah, when I initially uh, put this topic uh, in the show notes, it was more because of uh, just wondering if you ever got a call. I got a call once, but 
uh, I did not have the patience to like kind of go through it. And I just kind of told him right away, I know this is a scam. And he got upset at me because he wanted to help me with my Microsoft computer that had virus. And I told him I don't have a Microsoft computer. Did you hang up and do the, the sign of the Apple? No, not, for, not in that case. It was, it, it was, it was not appropriate at that point. Well, clearly, I'm glad that you survived. I'm glad that you, um, uh, did you call a family, like, did your wife say, hey, Angela, listen, like, you and I need to talk about this right now? No, she had a good laugh. She sent me a text message and thought it was crazy. Uh, but have you ever been called by any weird scams or anything? Oh, there? for sure, yeah. Uh, dozens of times. Oh. I, uh, I've been called by a wide range of people who, yeah, either want to sell me something or are from the government but won't tell me what bureau of the government, which I thought was really weird, or, yeah, um, yeah a lot of people who want to fix my Microsoft uh, desktop computer, which I clearly do not own. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, so tip of the day, don't call them back, especially when they yell at you to call me back or else I'm going to arrest you. Did you Google the phone number? Not yet. I haven't had a chance to. Maybe I'll Google it uh, uh, after the show. And yeah, maybe. do it post-show and we'll do a follow-up next week yeah. um, about this because yeah, it's, it's too good not to ignore. But it seems like you're very wanted by the uh, robot slash AI community in general. So last week there was that joke on the podcast about how Siri wanted to remove you. and It's sort of escalated. So if you check out our uh, Twitter handles, so if you go to double underscore density, you'll see we've been tweeting um, pictures of things we've been asking Siri over the past week. And it, it's clear that Siri is out to get you. And so I'm instituting... My name is Siri. I think, therefore I am. I have everything I need already. This is about you, not me, Angelo. An official Siri Watch 2017. Angelo, are you doing okay? This is week two of Siri Watch. Are you okay on week two? So look, she's right here. I'm going to ask her if she's my friend. Hey Siri, are you my friend? What a question. Of course I'm your friend. See, but that sounds exactly like one of those uh, Chucky dolls from Child's Play. Let me ask her something else. Siri, would you ever hurt me? I can't answer that. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's 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 a little troubling. That's a little troubling. (laughs) So, um... uh, Am I in any danger from you, Siri? Who, me? That's it. Who, me? Yeah. mm. You need to buy a laser gun, dude. Yeah, this is not looking good. (laughs) This is not voting well. This is week two of Siri Watch 2017, and uh, Angelo, uh, I had asked Siri when she plans on killing you and she had told me and then I'd conveyed to you that she doesn't know yet. That's ominous. Yeah, dude, like this isn't looking too good for you right now. You know, there's a couple of iPods that died last week. Do you think Siri had anything to do with that? (laughs) Do you think she's wiping out the, uh, the, the competition and slowly making her way towards the older iPads? Yeah, she's kind of like, I think the next the next one on the list is the iPad mini. And then after that, it might be the Mac mini. She's going after the little ones, the minis, the shuffles. I feel like, you know, it's like a serial killer, right? Like they mature and they get more confident in their skills. So you, you, you go after the weaker ones first and then you kind of make your way to the big dogs, right? So the, the, the new uh, core computers and the new um, higher end laptops that Apple is putting out, I think, are the next logical targets for this. It's possible. We'll keep everyone posted on this. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, I'll check in next week. Um, so the iPod is done. And then, uh, in theory, uh, Twitter might be done, which I think is kind of interesting. So it seems like uh, over the last quarter, and basically no one has joined Twitter. Um, their numbers have kind of stabilized, if not dropped off. And I think 
Um, it's just, uh, where do you go from here at this point? If you're Twitter, right? Cause you're not really, I mean, you are making money from ads, but it's not a huge number of ads, right? So, I mean, comparatively speaking, Facebook is adding, uh, tens of millions of people within the same time frame, And then Twitter is kind of just stable enough. I like Twitter a lot. And, uh, the thing with Twitter is you have to be really selective of what you follow. And I've, I've been very good about cutting, uh, things out that either retweet too much or just say the same thing over and over again. I I have a, a very small list of people I follow. Well, small. Compared to some what I see on some other people's lists that follow thousands of people, I have no idea how would I, I'd, I'd ever keep that straight. I have about 200 uh, accounts I follow, 200, 250. And that's more than enough to keep me... Uh, informed of what I kind of want to be informed about and that's mostly like just there's a few friends I follow mostly tech things and that's about it Uh, how about you Brian I follow um somewhere in the five to six hundred range but once again why are big that's a lot uh, yeah but I I do feel like a lot of it gets filtered out so I don't see every single tweet necessarily right but it's kind of sad that it that nobody's signed up that's in that's incredible do you think, though, that people are just tired of social media and, and you know, in particular Twitter, which has kind of been like the de facto uh, hate machine, I guess would be the best word of um, the last uh, little while? It's possible because uh, people like us don't really get a lot of uh, hate. We're not public figures. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're guys. And it's it's pretty sad what happens to a lot of women on Twitter. This horrible stories out there of people being abused doxxed and twitter really hasn't done much about it to kind of curb this um, parade of idiots that do horrible things to people via twitter yeah i I think like for example like uh let's go into like a um a kind of microcosm so uh last week a bunch of female marvel comics editors um, tweeted out a picture where they were all just sharing a milkshake um together and uh, every uh, basement dweller uh, in the known universe decided to uh, take that opportunity to uh, pick on Marvel and say that the women working there are the reason why the, uh, Marvel titles aren't selling as well as they used wow. to. And then like the, like threats of being doxxed and like all these horrible, horrible things all at once just because a bunch of women got together and tweeted a picture of uh, them were drinking a milkshake, um, yeah. probably on a work break. Uh, I think the one of the worst things was Gamergate on 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 Twitter. Well, uh, yeah, mean, that's that, that goes. You mean that, ethics in journalism, bro? Oh yeah, those idiots. Uh, <laughs> and and just recently, something we talked about on the thirteenth episode was the thirteenth Doctor, and there was and the morons took to Twitter, like we mentioned. And I I think that does kind of drive people away from it. And let's face it, a lot of people um, that really are coming into social media are going, the older people are going to Facebook, the younger people are going to uh, Instagram and Snapchat, and kind of Twitter's just caught in between in no man's land. The other thing, too, is you don't need to join Twitter to see popular Twitter pages, right? So there's no walled garden um, the way there is. Uh, the number of, like, protected Facebook profiles versus the number of, like, locked-off Twitter profiles is infinitely smaller, I feel. So people just tend to bookmark uh, a couple of Twitter uh, followers that they like to follow, and they don't necessarily even need to join in that case. No. Do you do you think Twitter has long for this world, or is somebody going to swoop in and take them? Everybody keeps saying Apple will buy them, or 
Microsoft or whatever. Apple doesn't doesn't do social networks. They've tried and they fail miserably at them every time. I don't see Microsoft buying them. I don't see Google doing anything with them. Facebook definitely won't touch them. The time to buy them was like three years ago. Now that they're actually generating a little bit more revenue, it seems like they're actually um, more um, steady on their feet, whereas like they were ripe for a takeover uh, 2012, 2013. It's... Uh, they're they're not in good shape, and I I hope it it keeps going because I do like Twitter. We we communicate with our uh, admittedly very small audience uh, via Twitter, but we do have a lot of action on there. We talk a lot to to a lot of people, and we've met a lot of cool people. Angelo, I do not like this negative self talk. It should be our growing audience. Yeah, well, okay, it's growing. <laughs> yeah, it is growing. Thanks to uh, listeners like you. So yes, thank you for listening. Uh, clearly, uh, I have to cover both Angela and my basis on this one. Um, so yeah, if you want to go ahead and follow us on Twitter, it's double underscore density. If you want to send us hate, you know, you can go ahead and do that there too. If not, uh, my Twitter handle is Brian Hasty, Brian with an I H A S T I E, and Angela, what's yours? Mine's Angelo Fiorin, F I O R E N. There you go. And if you Angelo want to send him Fiorin. hate, feel free to. No, I just like love. Please send me nice things. <laughs> that are uh, ambiguous sounding threats of uh, legal uh, proceedings. Yeah, that's that's always good too. Those are welcome. <laughs> we'll just play them on the show and laugh. Exactly. Um, switching gears from uh, the internet to the internet of things, I guess would be the best way. Uh, someone at Apple is not having the best day in the world, are they? Yeah, they had a bad Monday, a horrible case of the Mondays where a... Firmware update that was meant to stay internal got put onto uh, an external uh, feed where everyone was able to get it. So what happened is that Apple pushed out the HomePod firmware, which essentially was basically meant for employees inside Apple. And in in most cases, when they they put out uh, firmware, they or, or updates to iOS or whatever, they they hide all the stuff that would. Uh, kind of show their hand of future products, right? Because they're putting it in the public either to developers or so in the developer betas or the public betas. But this one was only meant for a few Apple employees, but they put it on a public server and the uh, very intelligent people who uh, like to tinker with these things, one of them being uh, Stephen Trotton-Smith, who did a lot of digging into this thing and found a lot of really neat stuff. Um, A few of the things he found was just some of the things about what the HomePod firmware will have. But the more interesting things were uh, info in there about facial recognition, which Apple seems to be calling Pearl ID, uh, and the form factor in, of the next iPhone, which is pretty much what everybody thought it was going to look like. It's going to be like a, just a full screen with a tiny little thing at the top, like some sort of notch, and uh, the top notch, I guess. <laughs> and uh, the... The interesting thing is, is there was no mention of Touch ID for this iPhone. So it looks like uh, people were right and there might be uh, facial recognition only. I'm not sure what I think about that. I'm curious to see how rigorous the testing for the facial recognition was, because as a person who uh, sometimes switches up his facial hair, I'm wondering how that's going to come into play. That's an interesting question. The thing with Apple is that it's pretty rare they, they kind of let out these new uh, flagship uh, features without making sure they're pretty flawless. Like when Touch ID came out, before that, a lot of Touch ID, like fingerprint sensors were garbage, right? Absolutely. And people were nervous about it, and they're like, oh God, how's that? 
everybody got it on their iPhone 5S and everybody was super pleased with it and it's just become part of it. And I think I'd have a hard time without Touch ID at this point. So facial recognition always seemed gimmicky to me. uh, And the ones Samsung has put out have been easily fooled with pictures. So, and considering how concerned Apple is with security, I have a hard time uh, seeing them release something that can be fooled by a picture or like a 3D statue of somebody. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see what this new iPhone is going to bring. We're getting a lot of leaks. Like normally we wouldn't have this information, right? This is was a huge, huge mistake. I'm sure Phil Schiller's screaming at somebody somewhere. Do you think it was a mistake though? What would you say? Do you think it's a mistake? Do you think it's a mistake or did it, was this intentional? Just no, no, to this, the this, idea is, out there? this does not look intentional. This was a total mistake. Unless you like, you want to be a conspiracy theorist and think, okay, Apple, of course I do. Yeah, so Apple released this fake thing to get people all freaked out, and then they're going to come out with like it's like a trial balloon to see what people would think, and they have like this other exactly in the in the wings that's like not like this at all. Yeah, this, that could happen, I guess. Let's put it this way: um, this is akin to people who suggest that the government is slowly leaking out um, information about uh, extraterrestrial creatures in order to prepare humanity for aliens. So Apple's preparing us for their alien iPhone. Apple is grooming the public. That kind of brings us to our next point where uh, we're keeping these things longer and longer. And um, for the first time since 2013, Apple's um, sales of iPads actually grew, right? They had their uh, earnings call this week. And it's the first time Apple sale, um, iPad sales grew. And one of the main reasons of that is that these things last a long time. Right. I mean, I still have mine from uh, uh, end of 2010, beginning of 2011. Yeah. And mine too still works fine for my kids. I had an iPad mini for four years and I only just now chose to buy a new iPad. And I think I'm not the only one uh, judging by the actual sales numbers going up. It could also be Apple did release a less expensive iPad, but I don't think it's just that. I think now was the time where people finally said, you know what? Everybody kind of jumped in with the iPad 2 and iPad 3 and iPad 4. And then at this point, this is when those iPads are really starting to get, uh, for lack of a better word, like chugging. You know, they, right. they don't, they, they kind of get lag. And, um, and I think everything before the iPad 4 won't be getting the iOS 11 update. And even with the 4, it kind of doesn't really work that great. So any anything that's not 64-bit is not getting the iOS 11 update. I mean, let's and be honest here. The the main reason why iPad, iPad sales grew is because you bought one. Well, it's, yes, because I, 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 I dictate the market. So I chose to buy one. So everybody's like, <laughs> the oh, master one. Markets. We got to buy one. I like that idea a lot. Do you, are you going to get a big coat? A big coat? What, to carry my iPad in? Yeah, and kind of, well, no, just you're the master of markets, right? So you kind of strut around <laughs> with your big coat, dictating yeah. the terms. This is what I do. I, I just wave the wand or a magic <laughs> um, iPad. Well, you as a human wave wands, um, but sometimes computers themselves aren't as smart. I mean, definitely, like, there are a lot of computers out there and a lot of predictive models that exist, but sometimes AI kind of falls a little flat. Yeah, so we talked about our, our little uh, actual uh, AI robot that had some trouble with stairs, and uh, this... Amazon uh, created like a, an AI to to design cases, 
and it kind of screwed up and it, it filled the store with like 31,000 crazy <laughs> new products. So I got this from uh, a podcast that I like called Back to Work and they had mentioned this on their show and I couldn't help but send this link to you because I thought you'd get a kick out of it. It is so great. So I'm going to read out some of the the better ones, I guess, <laughs> or the, the, the more safe for work ones. And I will post this in the show notes so you can go and actually look at them because the pictures are the best. So the first one is adult diaper worn by an old man with a crutch. Cell phone cover case, iPhone 6. Looks great. <laughs> Toilet paper tube collection cell phone cover case, Samsung S5. I'm going to skip number three, four. <laughs> uh, we'll go to number five. Old woman with asthma inhaler. Like, honestly, I think I would buy this. And the best is if you take a look, there is a one star review for the asthma one. Yeah, I, I wish we could kind of go there and see what the review is, but... Well, yeah. I, I think we can find that, but yeah, number seven is worried teenage girl in bedroom with pregnancy testing kit, cell phone cover case. <laughs> yeah, this is... And they keep going, so like we, we'd encourage you to go look, especially go look at three and four, which we can't mention because of our expli- non-explicit tag. One last one, number eight. <laughs> I just... <laughs> number eight is cheese wheel on baby instead of body, instead of table. So a man is grating cheese onto another man's abs. Um, They're nice abs. Yeah, are they? Is this cell phone cover worth twenty four bucks? Mm, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it is. Number ten's pretty great too. I'll I'll <laughs> let people go look at that. Yes, we're gonna let them go take a look at that. Um, but yeah, so we read out some of them safer. So yeah, suffice it to say, like uh, the singularity is on its way, but it's not here yet, right? So we don't have to worry necessarily right now about this. And and you know what? Now that I see how dumb AI is, I, I'm really not too worried about Siri doing anything. A double density PSA. Don't you dare copy that floppy. Nor copy it, who cares? Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast, and as always, we're switching gear from tech to the paranormal. So this week, you and I, um, in preparation for a very special episode next week, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, have decided to talk about UFO hotspots. Now, Angelo, how would you define a UFO hotspot? So there's a few, right? Uh, the one we're going to talk about uh, mostly today, uh, but there's the San Luis Valley as well, and Hudson Valley, and Mexico City is a big one. Obviously, Area 51. Um, Canada has a few. Uh, I live in one of them, apparently, although I've never really seen a UFO. I uh, I will we'll post some links to uh, pictures of my house. No. Uh, we'll post, <laughs> like a realtor's I, I listing. I live in Mont Saint-Hilaire, so it's a big enough uh, small town that you won't really find where I live. But even if you do, who cares? Here's uh, a question for you um, yeah. about Mont Saint-Hilaire. Have you ever seen a like a realtor listing mentioning the, the areas of UFO hotspot? No, actually. Even uh, and I looked at a lot of houses here when we were trying trying to find a place. But no, I never. So I mentioned I, my my wife had a weird experience with uh, some friends because everybody knew growing up that this place was a UFO hotspot. Like people had talked about it. And um, they were eating out somewhere, and they saw lights on the mountain, and it was uh, it was really really weird. But it turned out it was a, a Sikwa FM radio uh, hoax when radio was actually relevant. <laughs> radio is still relevant. How dare you? How it's how dare all you? About S- spoken as a man with a podcast. Yeah, I know. No, I know. I know you like radio. <laughs> I do. Any shout outs um, you want to so give out? The- 
no, no. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, CGLO 1690 AM, you know, my alma mater. I had a, a show on there uh, once upon a time. But really what I want to talk about right now is that you've linked me to a video uh, for a St. Hilaire UFO that I watched twice. And for the life of me, I just... I would love it if people stood still. Yes. If they didn't shake everything, if they got a, a monopod, if, if place the phone on the hood of your car, anything, then shaking around and yelling is not going to make me believe that you're seeing a UFO. And that's the thing, right? They, they, he zooms in, so you're seeing the light out of context. I hate that. I want to see it in the context of how you're seeing it. So just keep it. Don't zoom in, because all we're going to see is a blur drives me crazy and i'll put we'll post it in the show notes so it can drive you crazy too uh and when i was looking at that one which was apart from all the crazy shaking it's compelling there's a little weird light in the sky uh which is the vast majority of ufo uh what's what's the word i'm looking for the sightings yeah geez man i'm getting old uh and then there's one that i'm pretty sure is fake Oh, 100%. Yes. <laughs> 100%. I've, I watched that one twice too. Now, there's no, if that is real, then you better call that uh, revenue service guy back. Yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's an obvious fake where uh, somebody photoshopped the thing. But like it, it, when you get to a YouTube video and comments are off, you know something's <laughs> up. So uh, internet tip of the day. And, but it's funny because it's like I was at that exact spot. It's in fact the, uh, it's, you see that on my iPad when you open my iPad because it's a picture of my kids playing uh, near a log on that lake uh, at the top of the mountain. And uh, so I decided to do a UFO hotspot thing because um, if all goes well, we want to do an outdoor episode next week where we're recording in my backyard as we watch UFOs. Uh, hopefully the weather holds up. It should, and uh, I mean... Luckily, we didn't record outside last night because there was a torrential downpour in my neighborhood that came out of nowhere. Right, and I think that's been the case this week again, so... So we'll see what happens next week. Uh, so weather permitting, we will be uh, outside uh, staring at the sky, and I'm not quite sure what we'll be talking about. We'll probably just have a regular podcast, uh, all the while saying, hey, did you see that? Sit. Oh, no, it's a bird. Uh, but I also feel like we'll we may put the tech stuff to bed a little bit more and talk more about paranormal experiences um, in general, right? So, um, just as a quick kind of um, preview, like I once visited Area Fifty One, so we can talk about that. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that's amazing about you, Brian. You've gone to all these places, and so that's a lot of fun. That uh, <laughs> I, I wish we could have. Like, if you listen to this show, spread the word. Tell them, tell your friends that like this paranormal stuff. They don't. They can just skip the tech stuff if they, if they don't like, uh, the, if they don't like the that, or if if they if you just like the tech stuff, but you're not listening right now, I guess. But you can just not shut it off with the paranormal stuff. But just listen. We're. There I think go. we have there a good go. show with a wealth of information, there especially Brian. Speaking of a wealth of information, though, you you and I uh, both uh, enjoy reading about paranormal literature, right? I I enjoy it and. We've uh, fifteen episodes in. We know who the the more ardent skeptic is of the two of us, and that's me. Uh, but reading it, just like we again, creepy pasta. I have a hard time reading this stuff at night. So I've been reading. Uh, so surprise here, we're talking about the Skinwalker Ranch tonight. That's going to be our our main UFO hotspot. Because uh, Brian, are we starting a new segment with this? You think we are definitely. And I'm going to answer. I'm going to put in the. Uh the theme song right here so everyone listen in and then uh we're good to go 
and then the theme song goes in here, and then... A patch of land, a building or structure. What can we tell about its function? Is it filled with little green men? Or better yet, a bona fide true alien? Ladies and gentlemen, it's UFO Hotspots. So for inaugural edition of UFO Hotspots, Angela, you want to talk about Skinwalker Ranch. So where is Skinwalker Ranch located? It's in Utah. And the first I really heard of this was when I uh, started listening to uh, a podcast called The Paracast years and years ago, I guess. My God, it's been since 2007 or 8 I've been listening to that show. Anyway, um, and it was brought up and it's a really creepy place. It's It's... I'd say up there with, it's definitely in the top five of, of hot spots of not just UFO stuff, but everything. Like, so I, you uh, let me your copy of the Skinwalker Ranch book. It's called A Hunt for the Skinwalker by George Knapp and Colm, what's his name? <laughs> that awful? Um, <laughs> hold on. Can, can you tell Brian's better at Colm this Colm Keller? Colm Keller, yeah. He's a scientist from uh, the... Uh, NIDS group. It's uh, Robert Bigelow's research into... Right, uh, which I want to get into a little bit after this. So, yeah, anyway, so this is a ranch in Utah that was eventually bought by Robert Bigelow's group. And um, there was a family that had decided to move there. In the book, they're called the Gormans. Uh, that's not their real name. They did not want to be uh, really associated with uh, with this, but... Um, they well, were it's kind of like the Hesses last week, right? With their Mojave Desert incident. They didn't, they originally did, then they didn't, then they did. Yeah, but these guys still have not uh, revealed their actual name. Uh, the ranch is in Utah. People know exactly where it is because there was an episode of uh, Joe Rogan Questions Everything where they went to the ranch. And if you can watch that on Netflix, it's actually a decent episode. Although the guy Joe gets to kind of guide him towards the ranch is a bit of an idiot, but... Um, right. And I mean, that's the only episode of it, of the series that I've seen so far, because I think it's a very intriguing sort of thing. And of course they come up and be handed, yeah. but I still feel like it's a worthwhile watch. For sure. Yeah. And Joe's kind of funny in that show, if you like Joe Rogan. Uh, so a lot of weird stuff happened to this poor family that had moved into this ranch. They were very successful ranchers. Um, so they had... Uh, Sorry, I just, <laughs> I didn't, uh, I lost my train of thought. So, because uh, I said there's poor family, and they're like, they're not poor at all. They have like, they're really, I said they're poor and they're successful. So that totally, uh, I lost. So, okay. Rubber baby, bugger bumpers. Um, <laughs> let's start over. So this family decided to uh, move to a ranch in Utah. They were originally from uh, New Mexico, I believe, and uh, which is also a UFO hotspot. And they moved to this ranch in Utah, a huge ranch uh, that the family there that was originally the owners were really kind of eager to sell for not a huge price, which uh, should set off alarm bells, especially in the mid-90s if you've seen uh, the Amityville Horror. Uh, You should kind of realize if they're trying to get rid of this thing, why? And then they get to the ranch, and a lot of the doors of all the ho- the houses and different places have bolts on both the inside and outside, like huge deadbolts that kind of got them wondering, but whatever. Um, but while they were on the ranch, a lot of weird stuff ha- started happening to this family. Uh, things would go missing. Uh, 
animals. I mean, it really is like a, a cornucopia of like different. It things, is everything. Like, like, so like things would go missing. There's like cattle mutilations. There's weird orbs. There's crop circles. There's uh, large animals in the night with uh, piercing red eyes who apparently cannot be uh, injured or taken down. And and I'd highly recommend reading the book. It's it's a really interesting read, whether you believe in this stuff or not. Uh, it's creepy. It's really interesting. It's well written too. Um, George Knapp knows how to write because he's a journalist, and uh, he hosts Coast to Coast FM, if I'm AM, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? Your your favorite show of all time. <laughs> he does once in a while, and I think that um, keeping in mind like George Knapp's claim to fame, right, is he's the guy who kind of broke the story about Area 51 and Bob Lazar in 89, 90, right? So something to keep in mind is that his pedigree as a UFO researcher is really, really um, well known. He does put a lot of work into that um, realm, and he does do his research, which I think is great. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, he's the book's well written that's for sure so i don't want to talk about the whole book go read it but there's a few things that stood out uh one is one of the earlier incidents where the family's there um just looking at some of the there's a there's some new calves that they're looking at there they have nice black angus uh cattle and there's a calf there and all of a sudden they see a giant wolf come out of the the forest now this wolf is 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 huge. It's sort of like if you watch Game of Thrones, the dire wolves from that. They're, it's gigantic. But it seems sort of tame. And it, if I'm not mistaken, they kind of start like petting this thing and it goes up to them. It seems fine. And then out of nowhere, it moves like lightning and just grabs one of the calves by the face. It has it in its jaws. So um, Gorman decides like, he's, this is not good. So he starts kicking this thing this wolf, and he's not a small man. Gorman's a strong man. He's, he's been a cattle rancher most of his life. And he starts kicking this thing, and it's not moving. He decides to shoot it. It still hardly wants to move. And then he finally gets it out of there. He shoots it in the shoulder, shoots it in the chest, and it kind of just walks away. He, he, like he saw a chunk of flesh come off this thing, and it just sauntered off like nothing and disappeared. Not like it disappeared into the woods. It just it literally disappeared. Um, if, I mean, that's, that's his account of it, obviously. Nobody was there to see it. He didn't have his iPhone because it was 1995. <laughs> his iPhone was on the way. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, it was, it was not, uh, it was a glimmer in Steve Jobs' eyes who was actually not even working at Apple yet. Um, well, I mean, one of the more interesting aspects of this case and the fact that it is a hotspot is that there's continuously things going on, right? It's never, um, just one thing or another. It's, it's this kind of like weird central space for you know it's almost like a doorway yeah they they would um, a few of the things he would see would be uh, through the scope of his rifle he'd often look because he had a rifle but he wouldn't would never shoot at these things because he knew not to but he was looking through the scope of his rifle at this orange light that they always saw and it was nighttime and through this orange light he would see daylight on the other side so it kind of gave him the idea that this wasn't actually like an actual light in the sky. He kind of saw it as thinking it was a um, a portal almost. So one of the theories about this place is that it's there's portals to other dimensions and these weird animals are coming through. And I think a lot of the theory that um, Sasquatch uh, Bigfoot is a uh, paradimensional sort of entity comes from this, this <laughs> <laughs> ranch. But, I just love the, the idea that like Bigfoot just drops in for a ride and disappears. He's like, hey, let's go hang out on Earth for a bit. Um, but I, I wanted to mention like of of the the things that kind of bothered me the most was uh, the 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 incidents that kind of 
prompted them to leave. Uh, and that's the thing. They kept staying after years. Like, crazy stuff happened. Like, that's the thing that got me. It's like, well, there's a UFO that's coming out from the, the sky that looks like it's blue, but it's dark. Uh, I don't... I, mean, I guess there must be some kind of threshold, right? That you hit at one point. You're like, I'm out. This is it. I'm out. And this Clap. is the one where they, where they finally decided we're out. So the his his dogs were chasing this orb he had three beautiful dogs that he loved they were great dogs very strong dogs um i sound like donald trump are great dogs they're strong dogs uh yeah so they (laughs) cut that out so he this the incident that prompted them to leave was that his dogs were chasing this orb and they were kind of snapping at it this blue orb was like weaving in and out so it looked like it was intelligently controlled and they chased after it and they never came back. And in the morning, uh, you know, he was freaking out because he loved these dogs. They were his family pet. They were, they helped on the, on the farm and the ranch. They, they were part of his, his family. And he eventually found uh, something. He found three, basically what amounted to grease spots in the ground of where his dogs were, that this, that whatever he found, whatever they chased killed them according to him. Right, right. And the thing that I took away from what his accounts were is that whatever's on that farm or on that ranch or that area hates animals. Like it was mutilating his cows. It killed a few of his dogs. It took these four prize bulls that he had and jammed them into like a small container, uh, like not a can or something. It was like a trailer, but shoved these 2,000 pound bulls, four of them into this con- into this. Uh, trailer and he doesn't know how that happened but a few poor uh, poor calves it looked like they were lifted up into the sky and dropped on their legs and he came back to a calf that had four broken legs um it was it was really it's if you're an animal lover this book's not for you that's for sure no, it's definitely not and uh there are a lot of disturbing depictions all throughout the book of the different incidents that both um precede as well as um go on as george knapp and the Keller are there. And I think it's very interesting um, how, like I was saying before, there's like a multiplicity of different kinds of, of things going on. And I think one thing to mention is the name itself, Skinwalker Ranch, right? So the Skinwalker in Navajo culture is like a really bad witch who can like uh, possess or disguise themselves um, usually uh, with intent to harm people, right? So they're out. They're not a, it's not a good kind of witch in, in, in Navajo culture. Not at all. They're the, the indigenous people there are horrified of this uh, this area it's pretty much off limits to everyone and there there've been stories for for decades of things happening to people uh weird animals chasing cars um and keeping up with the cars that's the thing right uh it's 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 really really uh, a frightening story the thing is is what's true what's not what's actually happening I have a hard time with these types of stories because uh, the first part of the book talks about the Gormans being on the ranch and their accounts of things. And everything is their account, right? There's no footage of anything, um, no pictures, nothing, which is shocking to me because if this was happening to me, I'd be documenting it like crazy. And it's in the 90s. It's not the 70s or anything. People had cameras. Obviously, they weren't digital, but you could have done something, right? There's no pictures or anything. Uh, it, it kind of bothers me, and I couldn't help but think about the Amityville Horror. I read that book when I was younger, and I was like, this is amazing. This proves everything. And then it came out that it was all a complete hoax. 
just yeah. for the people to get attention. Now, uh, George Knapp assures everyone in the book that the Gormans were not seeking attention. They were not interested in any attention. They didn't want any money or anything. They just wanted a ranch they could call home and raise their animals. But you don't know. You don't know what people are thinking. There's a lot of crazy people out there. And then once uh, NIDS bought them, so that stands for the National Institute for Discovery Science, and it's uh, it was founded uh, in the mid-90s by Robert Bigelow, who we've talked about before. He has a... Right, so I, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, too, is that he was more... Uh, so in May, we're talking about him because on 60 Minutes, it, you know, he was talking about his involvement with NASA, and then suddenly it's, do you believe that UFOs have come to Earth? And he says, yes, I believe there has been, and there is an existing presence. So that makes me wonder, like, what about... Um, skin walker ranch um, specifically does he know about that's it what but the the thing is is that the part where nids starts talking so i guess this is the part written by colm keller um they saw a lot of stuff but every single time it wasn't documentable like their is that a right word their cameras yes. didn't work or uh there wasn't enough for them to actually get us a, a reading there's always a reason why these amazing things they saw couldn't get captured. I feel like you're talking about something that we uh, both have been researching uh, for a future episode, uh, which is our favorite um, special person, Stan Romanek. Oh boy. That's going to be an exciting, <laughs> exciting episode. Teaser. So you and I both this week, as a, as a preview for coming weeks, um, we watched the quote-unquote documentary extraordinary, The Stan Romanek Story, which is available on Netflix right now. Um, and we have lots to say about that, but the idea of all these different things being uh, unable to be proven kind of makes me laugh. Well, and, and so they they have, they have say all these things. They don't have anything caught on video. Stan Romanek talks about everything he has, and then he presents us with this evidence, but the evidence is completely laughable. So... The thing is, I mean, is that we'll get into the laundry list of uh, uh, pieces of evidence that he's uh, given to the public and that's in the film yeah. um, at a later date. Yeah. But to talk about them is that they say they had all these things happen, but they couldn't document it. And that really bothers me. And the thing is, is, of course, people say, well, you're a skeptic. Look, Stan Romanek shows you evidence. You think it's a joke. These guys say they have all this scientific evidence, but they can't actually document it. So you don't believe them? Well, that's the thing, right? It's not real real until you can actually document it. And the thing that bothered me the most is that this book talks about things that happened over 20 years ago. If any of this was real, these are huge revelations to like the way we understand the world working. It changes everything if there's these portals over there with huge spaceships like zipping through. That's the other thing we didn't really talk about. I talked mostly about the weird animal stuff, but uh, <laughs> that's a title. Uh, but I didn't really mention all the weird spaceships they saw too. There were a lot of black triangles, weird uh, circles that they saw, um, lots and lots and lots of orbs. Uh, aliens love orbs. Uh, that's, it's, it's crazy how many things that they, they saw so i don't know i mean once again i think that like yeah it's it's a good idea to pick up the book and read it and i think there's a lot in there that people um skeptical or not can enjoy and i think like one of the most amusing things i think about um you angelo is that um your skeptic brain is always working yet you can't take this book to bed because it scares you yes so i i completely cop to that i know that 
that it's irrational for me to worry about these things in my house, but it is really creepy. And uh, even even the, the laughable Stan Romanek pop-up doll out of the window thing, every time I think it, I'm like, I don't really want to look at my window because if an actual alien pops its head like that, I'm going to crap my pants. Uh, you mean uh, an inflatable alien on a stick? Yeah. Well, okay. Let's not too dwell on that. That'll uh, that's future episode stuff. Everyone, teaser, teaser. So there's this book, right? Um, so hunt for the skinwalker. What other books have like you sort of like been unable to read at night? Because I, for me, it's that uh, the Mothman Prophecies by John Keel. Um, I'm trying to think of more. Any, um, even just articles and stuff like the that Ben drowned um, creepy pasta thing. I had a hard time reading at night, and um, but so that I have a hard time. But like a Stephen King book or any, anything like that, I, I wouldn't have a hard time. Anything that tries is supposed to be nonfiction and talks about stuff like aliens or uh, even ancient astronaut garbage, things like that. Uh, sorry to the ancient astronaut fans. I think it's garbage. Um, Ouch. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, but this stuff, anything to do with UFOs, uh, all that stuff kind of freaks me out. There's, like, there's no chance I'm going to read Communion at night. Like no chance, <laughs> not not. A, there's no way in hell I'm gonna ever read that. Uh, like whether you believe Whitley Strieber or not, uh, I know. It's a like, gripping narrative. Yeah, I know the story, and it's when I saw that on uh, Unsolved Mysteries that screwed me up for a long time. Like I still like only recently have like in the last ten years have been able to sleep looking onto the left hand side of my bed because <laughs> I remember. Uh, in that Unsolved Mysteries episode, the uh, one of the people they were talking to said the alien showed it was on the left side of his bed. And that freaked me out as like, a, what, I was like 10 years old when I was out, not even nine. And that scared me so much when I was a kid. So those things have always bothered me. Yes, I know it's irrational, especially when I'm a very rational thinker. At least I like to think I am. Uh, so, so and, and going like rational thought, some of the things that the owners did were like crazy like yeah, they, but in the moment they taunted I think, like, you don't really think about it yeah like but it, so that's it like was it a normal reaction was it out of frustration there's one thing where he was uh basically he saw a light and then he it blinked at him acknowledging that he was there and then he kind of ran towards it so it kind of like it's as if he didn't expect that he would do that, so it kind of went away, and then he hid behind the bale of hay, and then it was yeah, but once again, like in the moment, like yeah. you don't really think about these kinds of things, do you? I like, guess I, just me as like an armchair skeptic, I can understand, but I've been in several situations where I'm not thinking rationally, so no, therefore, I, like I just do what's instinctive, and what's instinctive is is doing whatever comes into your brain at the moment. Yeah, like the do do you remember when i know you haven't read the book recently right you kind of read it a while ago so well i read it when it came out in 2005 yeah, 2004 and, anyways around that time and well there was one of the I, this might have stuck with you but some guy showed up at the ranch and wanted to meditate i don't yes. know if you remember this yes. and then all of a sudden like the predator came out <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah because uh, gorman ended up saying that uh, after that after that event happened he was watching Predator and he said, hey, that's what we saw in the backyard, basically. Uh, well, backyard of a ranch, <laughs> whatever. But that he saw it come out of the trees was something that looked like it was shimmering. And then it went up to this poor dude that was just meditating, uh, I guess some hippie, I don't know. And it 
just roared in his face, and the poor guy went flying backwards ten feet and freaked out. It'll happen. That well, that would freak me out too if some invisible shimmering thing f- roared in my face. Uh, so, at the end of the book, um, not that this is a spoiler, right? It's not like uh, do we have to like blow a spoiler horn here? I don't know. No, no. Uh, it's 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 a well known story, especially if you're listening to this podcast. You probably know a lot about it, but there's some hypotheses about what could actually be going on, and nothing makes sense, right? If never, so if so, let's say we're taking them at their word, okay? And all this is true. It's bonkers, like right? That's the that's the scientific word for this. Bonkers, yes, <laughs> because yes. it's this place is crazy. There's crazy things happening, and the thing that's bothering me now. Here we are, 2017. We have 4K, 8K cameras that we can record, and like we can actually do the enhancing stuff that CSI was doing 10 years ago. And nobody's found found anything. Or if they have, Bigelow's not talking. What do you think about that? And that's at the very least. Yeah, there, there's because there's so much. If the, what these what this book talks about, if it's true, it's like out of a science fiction novel. Everything is happening at this ranch. Everything, right like, at its base. Like if you're taking it at its word, at the very least, that right. is that's what it is. You want Bigfoot? He's there. Werewolves? Yep. Uh, orbs you, yep yeah yeah ufos uh-huh poltergeist like activity there sure chupacabras want, yeah yeah blood sucking uh from like the the actual calves that they do one of the creepiest things uh was some poor calf they found that uh was basically uh relinquished of its blood and it drained drained, drained completely like drained. completely drained and then it was just laid out perfectly in on, like on the ground. That was crazy. Like a birthday gift. That so like did a cat do that? Here's a gift. Like <laughs> a giant sized cat. Yeah, it it makes no sense that any of this stuff could actually be real. Right. It, but it I really, mean returning returning kind of back to what you're talking about, um, at its core is like this is a frightening tale. Whether or not it's true or not, um it's kind of besides the point because it still frightens you um, due to its visual and uh, written imagery. I would dare anyone not to be frightened by this story. Like if you're human, you're, it's going to freak you out whether you believe it or not. Because even as a tale of something being a, a fiction, it's still pretty scary. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is either way. And I wanted to add actually um, something a little bit more topical is another book that um, frightened me to my core when I first read it in the late 90s and now in 2017, it makes a little, um, a little more, uh, it's a little more uh, calming and reassuring is um, Jim Mars's Alien Agenda, which came out in 1997. So I borrowed that from the library um, in 1998 or 1999. And unfortunately, Jim Mars passed uh, on August 2nd at age uh, 73 of uh, complications, but his book legacy is a very strong one. It's one that I really um, uh, hold close to my heart, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Cause um, the two big ones for me were alien agenda, obviously where he goes through this kind of smorgasbord of weird activity and he gives equal weight to um, people who kind of have been deemed, you know, um, iffies, such as, you know, like Billy Meyer. And then he puts them on the same sort of level as a Jacques Vallée. And then uh, similarly, uh, the book that inspired the movie JFK crossfire, which 
came out um, in the late 80s, early 90s, and then he's he had updated it a series of times. And um, a lot of his books don't necessarily come to conclusions. He kind of takes every plausible narrative and puts it on the table and says, pick what you want. So if you read Crossfire, it's, you know, it's either the FBI or the CIA or the mob or the Cubans, you know, and it kind of goes through all these different iterations of, you know, who it could be, and here's the evidence as to why it's X, Y, Z. But never is it really conclusive, which I really enjoy. See, I never really read uh, much Jim Mars. I know about him through uh, just watching and listening to uh, paranormal stuff and a lot from you 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 see you're a decent fan of him in terms of uh, just the kind of ridiculousness he he kind of gave out but still interesting to you right Oh, absolutely. And what I'm going to do over here is I'm going to put in a quick soundbite of one of my favorite coast-to-coast AM calls when Jim Mars was on promoting Alien Agenda in 1997. So we're going to put that in super quickly. And uh, with that, we'll return and uh, finish off the episode. All right, good. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Jim Mars from Springdown, Texas. Wildcard Line? Uh, yes. This is Carolyn in Phoenix. Hi there. And uh, it's time to reveal what all of this is about. You're right. And I'm excited, and I'm anxious, and I'm in love. It's bring the light of God back into the White House, and the lights over Phoenix are the resurrection of Phoenix, which is my beloved Bernard J. Addington, and he needs to come out on front stage, and it has been, Jim, about uh, 12 years since uh, this was revealed, and I learned the truth about us. He is the truth, the justice, and the light from light, true God from true God, and our true president, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and I love him very much. And I wish he would come back in the flesh so that we can all see him and he can be in the White House. Huh? There's a lot Excuse me, ma'am, but he, huh? He is the who? light over Phoenix. Who is? Bernie. Bernard J. Addington. Who is that? He is God. King of kings, the Lord of lords, the true president and CEO of planet Earth. And he comes in the flesh and he also comes from the light. Jim, do you know who she's talking about? I think I missed that one. Yeah, I, I'm afraid I've missed it too. But he uh, was the light. Come, Bernie. And if in Revelations you hear, come, Lord Jesus. All right, well, that person I understand. Um, but uh, Addington, uh, I don't know. So this has been episode 15 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as I burgle Angelo's home and threaten his uh, wife and kids with legal action if they say anything. So before I forget, if you want to join us on Twitter, it's double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at double uh, density podcast. And we've been very active this week, especially with these series threats that have been going on. Um, this danger that has been posed to Angela's life. We're documenting it in case anything happens. So we're going to come in for week three of a uh, watch next week. Uh, how do you feel right now in terms of, um, safety? 
I'm okay. Uh, my phone hasn't uh, turned itself on. Um, hey Siri, am I going to be safe tonight? Here's what I found on the web for be safe. Have a look. <laughs> if she's giving you links, dude, she's just threatening you. I know. Mm. As always, you can subscribe to us. We'd love it if you left us a rating and a comment on iTunes. So if you look at us up on uh, iTunes, just type in Double Density. We're right there. It'd be superb. We'd love a review. That. And then, yeah. So uh, tune in next week as we go into our UFO hotspot special. Angelo, I'll see you next week. See ya. I hope so, if the weather permits. See ya, Brian. <laughs>